Good morning, All Shores. It is so wonderful to be with you this morning, to be able to worship with all of you. Um, you know, as a school teacher with the school year wrapping up, things are busy, things are crazy. And often, oftentimes I just forget to um, take a moment of rest and to reflect um, and, to, and to pray. So um, I feel like my prayer for the last couple weeks, maybe the last few months, has been to um, just to sit in the quiet and to reflect um, and to be with God. So my prayer for us this morning is that we can do that same thing, that we will be present, we will be here, we will be open to whatever, whatever God has for us this morning, um, and that we will uh, have a wonderful time worshiping together. So I will invite you to stand with us as we begin our service this morning and worship. It's already been done, you can't add to his blood. It was once for all, the Father gave his Son. Forever we are changed by the miracle of grace. Throughout history, the Father's light remains.
Worship you today. 
everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. You know, church, I love that we serve a God who doesn't require our perfection. He just requires our surrender. And I don't know about you, but to a broken up, messed up person like myself, that brings incredible hope that God just loves me not for what I do, but for who I am. And guess what? The same is for every single one of you in this room and online. God loves you so dearly. So I don't know what you're carrying with you this morning as you walk into this place or as you join us in worship today, but what I do know is we serve a God who wants us to lay those things down at his feet, to surrender fully, and to trust that his thoughts are for us, his plans are for us, his purposes for us are good. He is good. And we've got another song we're gonna introduce to you this morning. It's called, I Belong to Jesus. And it connects so beautifully to the song that we just sang because in, in times of struggle, in times of pain, in times of grief and loss and suffering, in times when we are so afraid, we can put our trust and hope in Jesus because we are his. And sometimes all we need to do as believers is call out the name of Jesus. And that is enough, it is more than enough. And so we're gonna sing this song together today. And I don't expect you to know the words. Maybe if you know the song, feel free to sing along with us or if you catch on early enough. But just listen to these words and allow these words to soak into your spirit today and allow the spirit of God to come and meet you and do something new in your life. Let's sing this song together. You were right. 
sing that again, church. When the rain fell, when the floods came, when the wind blew, I was okay. You were right there. You're in every step I take. Sing it over your life. Oh, when the night falls, when my heart aches, if I stumble, I will not break. You were right there. You're in every step I take. You're my shepherd, you're my keeper, my provider, my protector. You surround me, you're in every step I take. You're the goodness, you're the constant, you're my first love and my future. You surround me, you're in every step I take. Father, you're holy, fear will never conquer me, cause I belong to Jesus, cause we're never alone, I'm never alone, I'm never abandoned, oh, fear will never conquer me, cause I belong to Jesus, you're my shepherd, you're my shepherd, you're my keeper, my provider, my protector, you surround me, you're in every step I take. You're the goodness, you're the constant, you're my first love and my future. You surround me, you're in every step I take. But you are with me, Father, you're for what a great reminder that we do not have to be a slave to fear, that we are children of the Most High God. No matter what we think of ourselves, no matter what others think of us, no matter what we've done, nothing, nothing can separate us from His love. We are His children, and just bask in that today. You know, we, we sang this declaration earlier that, that we bring everything to the feet of Jesus. And we're gonna do that now. We're just gonna take time to pray and bring whatever you are carrying today and lay it at the feet of Jesus. And one of the way we do, do that here at All Shores is we simply invite you to have a seat. If you are carrying a burden today, 
just something that you want to lay at the feet of Jesus, we just simply invite you to have a seat. It's kind of a way of humbling yourself and saying, God, I need you to take this for me. You know, if you're watching with us online, maybe you just want to kneel where you're at and say, God, I need you to take this. You know, some people here will come around you and maybe just put their hand on your shoulder and say, you know what? Just a reminder, you are not alone. That God is with you in the midst of all you're doing and so are his people. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we just thank you for that reminder, God, that you are with us, that we can bring everything to your feet, that you care about every detail of our life. There is nothing too big or too small for you, God, for your love to come in and surround us. God, you care for us. You want to move in our lives. God, you don't promise to take every problem away, but you promise to be there. So I pray for a, an incredible sense of your presence right now for each person in this room, that they would be reminded of your love, that you would whisper it in their ear, that you love them and you are for them, whatever is going on in their life. God, we pray for healing over physical needs, for provision where there is that is needed, for healing for relational needs, God. We know that there is so much going on in a room like this, God. We just pray that you would move in every one of these needs. God, and that we would continue to grow the people that, to be the people you want us to be, that we would be a people who love and are unified the way that you said that you call us to be. We'd be known for our love. God, so let us do that in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods, God. Our love through you would just radiate out and help bring change. God, and we bring, ask that you bring hope to the world, God, those who are, are hurting because of wars, because of violence in our nation, because of natural disasters, God. We need you to move and provide for those, God. Raise up your people in every one of these areas to demonstrate your love really practically also. Lord, we pray not only for our needs in our church, God, but we recognize we're just one expression of your church. And we pray for the churches in our community. And we pray for Bethel Baptist this morning. And God, you would bless them and lead them and guide them to the mission you have called them to. We pray for our missionaries around the world. We pray for our families serving in the Middle East to the Karis people. And God, that they're just asking that you would move and, and open up the doors to finish this project that they want to do to bless their community with a kindergarten. Uh, and God, that you would move and open up the doors for the government there, that they would be the blessing you are calling them to. We ask all these things in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. And it's in his name that we say, amen. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and be seated. Well, welcome to All Shores. I'm so excited, so glad that you are with us on this beautiful Sunday morning. If you're joining us online, we're so glad that you're here, whether you're in a campground, uh, your couch, or wherever you are at today, we're glad that you are joining us. And we're glad if you're here, right here in this room. And I know that there's new people with us today. I'm so glad that you decided to join us and are part of uh, what God is doing here on Sunday morning. Play that you would sense his presence this morning and you would meet some really wonderful people as well. So glad you were here. We would love to connect with you. So right in front of you, there is a QR code. You can open up your phone at any time today. Just point it at that and it'll bring you to our digital connection card and we would love to connect with you. It's the best way for us to connect with you and you to connect with us. So fill that out. You can put your prayer request on there. You can put your needs in there. We would just love to meet you and just help you continue to take steps in your faith journey. If you're joining us online, there'll be a, a link that you can click for that same connection card so we can stay connected as well. We'd love to continue to do that. Well, we're just going to continue worshiping this morning, and we really believe that when we give, it really is an act of worship, that we just give back a portion of what God has blessed us with so we can do his work in our church, in our community, and around the world. So if you came prepared to give today, we just ask that you do it as a, an act of worship. There's lots of ways you can do that. On your way out, there are boxes on the sides of the walls there. You can give there if you can't prepare to do it that way. There's lots of ways to give online, and those are up behind me. So we are grateful that you are a generous people so we can be a generous church and are super grateful for that. If you're a guest with us, man, there's no obligation. There's no expectation. This is something that we do as a church family. So we're just glad that you're here, and just your presence is a gift to us this morning. Well, this is, uh, we're almost to the end of our fiscal year uh, as a church, that's end of May, and this is the time of year that we vote for our new church budget and for our um, local board of administration who are our eldering body. So if you're a member of the church, when you go out this morning over on this side, my left, your, yeah, when you're on your way out on your left this morning, there's the connection point. You can go grab a ballot, vote for the budget, vote for our eldering body, and just a way that you can continue to be a part of your church here. Now turn your attention to the screen for more information on what's going on. 
is Tracy Gable. I have been attending this church for about 13 years. When I heard about the journey, I was interested to find out what it was all about. Um, I just wanted to learn a little bit more about Christ and find out where I can best serve. I have never grown more in my faith walk than when I was serving because you're helping other people and you are serving Christ. And that is the most exciting thing to me about it. I love serving Christ. I feel like the journey is a gift for every single person to take. It doesn't matter if you're a new Christian or one that's been a Christian for many, many years or where you are in your faith journey, who wouldn't want to make that a deeper walk with Christ? Well, I want to welcome those joining us online and those of you here in Spring Lake at our campus here. The first hour, we always welcome Muskegon and Coopersville because they're connected during that time. But we're glad wherever you're a part of this with us that you're here today, that you're watching. Uh, I want to invite you in just a minute to pray in the quiet. We're in the middle of a series we've called Resurrecting Now. And we'll get into more of what that means and discover together. But simply what we do is we ask you to be honest with God. That maybe in the midst of all that's going on, you're here, you're watching, you have doubts, questions, skepticism. Maybe it's dry and you're saying, I need some connection and some encouragement. Maybe you're on a journey and you're following Jesus. You're saying, I want to grow in that. Maybe you're somewhere in between or in a different place, but we just want you to talk honestly with God and ask him to speak to you, to lead you, to change you. We believe it's not about information or persuasion, it's about revelation. So you pray in the quiet, and then I will pray for us together. Lord, I, I thank you, Lord. I believe that you want to speak and that you do speak. And so I'm asking that you'd speak to us. Whatever you want to say directly, whatever you want to say as we open the scriptures together, speak. Bring your power, your presence, the heart of you to us. Lord, I ask you that anything I have to say that's not from you, I do pray it will fall to the ground, it will be forgotten. But I do ask that whatever is from you, Lord, that you would speak life into us. I join with the psalmist praying the words I speak. And the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. So I want you to consider that we tend to be a people, especially in this day and age, of this or that. You're either this or you're that. You prefer this or that. It's no in-between. It's one or the other. For example, and I'll just ask you to respond whether you're here or online. Are you a person that says, I've got to keep working, you've got to work enough, it's about work ethic, or man, we work so hard, we need to actually rest and have a Sabbath. Are you work or Sabbath? You shout it out, which you think we need more of, work or Sabbath? It's funny, last hour they were all about work, so I guess we got a difference in that piece. We're chilling here today. Let me give you another one. Dog or cat? Man, everybody's mostly dogs. The cat people are just torqued and yelling extra. I had one person last hour yell, neither. And I said, okay, how about menagerie or animal free? And they yelled again. Some of you are that. We have these preferences that we have. Here's one that, that is very much an indicator. Phone call or text? Wow, yeah, a lot more texters in here last hour. They were mad there weren't more calls. How about bath or shower? Mostly shower. No one wants to admit, admit they like to take a bath. As Jim Gaffigan says, you sit in your own filth. But I confess, on Saturdays, it's like my chill time. My wife goes, oh, you're going to take a little spa right now? I am. I'm going to chill in my own filth for a little while. We have all sorts of things that we kind of decide it's this or it's that. It can't be both. You have to pick a side. 
We have to choose which it is, and there's right and there's wrong. It's linear. It's either this or that. And I, I preface this today because we're going to look into a section of Scripture that oftentimes the church is argued about. We kind of polarize who God is. He's either this or he's that. And this is a passage that gets used that way, though it's not even central to the text. And let me just give you some examples of how we tend to see God as one or the other. So we talk about God being just and being merciful. Now you realize those are different things that don't go together because if you're just, you have to have what's right. And sometimes even when we talk about God's mercy, it's as if to say, well, he's really just, but he has to be merciful because we're just a messed up lot, so he does that anyway. And yet scripture teaches he's both. You, you realize that. It, it isn't just when Jesus come that God shows mercy. God shows mercy throughout history in the midst of justice. Like, they're both true. And you know that doesn't make sense to our brains, right? Like, wait, you can't be both. You, you can't be both because we're linear thinkers. It's either this or it's that. Let me give you another one. We regularly talk about God as unchanging. He's the same today, yesterday, and will be forever. And, and that's true. Did you know that Moses changed God's mind? That kind of messes it with unchanging, doesn't it? There's a moment when Israel is freed from all their slavery. They're up, and Moses is on the mountain, and the priests think it's a good idea, along with the people, to burn up all the gold and make a golden calf out of it, to give another idol. You think God's happy about that? Not so much. And the priest, in their incredible wisdom, says, I didn't make it. We put it in the fire, and it grew as a calf. Come on, tell me that's not a lame excuse. Uh, the fire miraculously created a cow. You do realize that's incredibly weird. Anybody ever given weird excuses like that? We all have. But, but the reality is, God at this point in time is ready to say, and he says to Moses, I want to just out with all these people, I'm done. And you know what Moses says? In fact, God even says, I regret making them. I regret them being my people. And Moses says, God, have mercy. If they don't go, who will know of who you are? And God changes his mind. Now, I want to start there because we're going to look into a passage of Scripture that has beautiful things for us, but we've often, in the history of the church, and if you haven't been around, that's okay. We tend to put God in, he's either this or he's that. And this is a passage, oftentimes people talk about God being overall, kind of pre-deciding and pre-planning everything like a chess match, and everything works under him, but we look at it very kind of heartlessly and don't realize, could God both be aware and God also be free for us? In other words, could it be a paradox? And what really matters is not what happens, but who God is and how he loves us. So I want us to start there because where we are and where we've been in this series is about the idea that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. He brings resurrection to us now. And in this letter, Paul writes to the church in Rome, we have Jews and Gentiles both beginning to follow Jesus, all bringing different perspectives. And Paul is trying to encourage us, particularly in this section, about what the resurrection means for you and me here and now. So if you weren't with us in the first four weeks, just a quick kind of where we've been, the foundation we've been building that Paul builds is he speaks to the fact that you and I, through our own nature of sin, through the kind of the destructiveness of how we live, he says just like Adam and Eve, where every one of us want our own way, and he says that we are basically, through that nature, through sin nature, we are condemned. He says, Jesus came not to fulfill a law, not to fulfill a new way, but to put to death, to condemn the sin nature. And we said, it's like building a new house. Jesus gives us a new foundation of not being condemned. He's doing the most amazing rebuilding of who we are. And then the next week, we looked at how the Spirit is the one that moves and works, kind of building the frame around us. The next week, we looked at the end picture, that you and I, it's who we are and whose we are, that we're in him. And last week, we looked at the really what was difficult in terms of the fact that the church is living in incredible suffering. And resurrection doesn't mean freedom from suffering. It's the same path of Jesus, death and resurrection, sorrow and joy, difficulty and breakthrough. And we looked specifically last week at how Paul sees all of creation groaning, crying out for more of Jesus, that we want to see his move and the transforming power of him here and now, but we ultimately cry out for his return and the ultimate change of that. And in the same way, Paul teaches us where to cry out, where to long for. And we said it this way, that we groan and we long for God's movement and we wait expectantly and patiently. 
Now that matters because it continues from there. This idea, that's where we were, and this crying out and this groaning, waiting patiently and expectantly. And Paul continues now in chapter 8. He says, in the same way, just as we have and just as creation does, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now I want to be clear on this. The Spirit helping us in this wonderful statement is help, literally to help means to bear the burden with us. It's not like the Spirit is kind of a guide on the side. It's the Spirit steps in with us and carries burden with us of things we can't do alone. And when he says weakness, he means the things that neither you and I can change or make better, which we understand as followers of Jesus, we cannot do. We cannot achieve. We cannot strive. We will never get to where we want to be. That's what we call the condemnation of our sin nature. Ultimately, it leads to destruction. That's what we believe, and we could say that's what we see in our world, couldn't we? I mean, can we agree? I don't care what you think about people moving and evolving and getting better and what goes on. Guess what? We're, the, we're as big a mess or more than we've ever been. And that's simply what Paul's pointing out. And so he's now encouraging us, guess what? The Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then he says, we don't even know what to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. <laughs> Do you ever talk about wordless groans? Me and I all groans of irritation and annoyance, right? Like, oh. You know, when you did something and your parents were disappointed, they just go, ah. Oh. Or you do that with someone around you. <laughs> the staff person, says, oh, how did they do? Oh, come on. Like groans for us are irritation that someone didn't do what they meant to do or should do. Do you ever have this? Is there someone in your family, they have like 18 groans? And you know each one means a little different thing? I'm disappointed with you. I can't believe you did that. Oh, my goodness. I'm tired of dealing with this again. Like, we all have nuances to our groans, true? That, that's not what this means. I just wanted to go there for a little bit because it's fun. <laughs> Can you decipher the groans? He's giving us a bigger picture of the Spirit's role and the power of what it is he's doing. And make no mistake, he's telling us there are things you can't articulate through language that are deeper than that. And he goes on to help us understand this idea. Verse 27, he says, It is he who searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. In other words, not only does the Spirit search us, but the Spirit wants to help us. It's not God's will like it's, you just have to do it. It's what's best. It's longing for what we need most. But I don't want to miss this idea that the Spirit searches our hearts. This is not an uncommon theme through all of Scripture. For example, Proverbs says that the human spirit itself is the lamp of the Lord. It sheds light on our inmost being. In the Psalms, it tell us that we can't even discern what's deep inside of us, but God searches that by his spirit. In other words, what's inside our heart is at the core of who we are. So let me, let me give you an example of this from Scripture, and then I want you to broaden this to our own lives. Saul, who's been Israel's king, they chose him because he looked apart and they thought he was great. And he doesn't have this huge list of mess-ups, but he has some that God's just done with him. And God says, I want a new king. I'm picking him. You go. Tells this prophet, Samuel, you go to this guy named Jesse. And you look for one of his kids as the one I'm picked. So basically, Samuel goes there to Jesse's home. They, they have all the kids get kind of consecrated. Get ready, because we're going to take a look at these kids. And Eliab, the oldest, is brought out. This is in 1 Samuel 15, and this is how... He's described. The Lord said to Samuel, don't consider that one. Don't consider his appearance or his height. I just stop on height because <laughs> as a man who one day was 5'8", and now through the joy of a spine slowly compressing, I'm now 5'7". Do you know how great that is to hear? God does not consider his height. Thank you, Lord. It's a passage I memorize all the time. He says, I've rejected him. Now, he doesn't mean because he's tall, though I'd like to say that just to bother everyone else. It says, the Lord doesn't look on the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In other words, God looks to see inside of us. Now, it even tells us in one wonderful passage that deep calls to deep. In other words, God calls in the depth of who he is to the depth of who we are. And what this means, what Paul is saying, what we're getting a picture of is the Holy Spirit looks into the depth of who we are and groans on our behalf, not even with words, but with something deeper than that. 
So, so I want you to picture it this way. I think we often think of God kind of groaning or interceding as he's annoyed with something we do and disappointed in us. Let's just say it's an activity or a behavior we do that's destructive. Like God's going, oh, change it. It's not what it means. What it means is the spirit looks deeper than the behavior and sees what's broken inside of us. He sees the brokenness of what we've done in our own lives that's destructive. He sees what's broken in our own sin nature. He sees the mess that's been done to us and the destruction it has, and he groans for us to be made new and restored. I don't know if you could grasp this fully. I hope you can, because what it means is God's looking into things you and I don't even see, and he's groaning on our behalf for the power and the transformation of Jesus to meet us to free us and to change us. You realize that is unbelievable, don't you? I mean, in case you don't know, we do not know ourselves completely. Our, our job is to grow in that, but many of us, and in fact, probably the more you think you know, the less you probably do. I mean, quite honestly, we often don't know what motivates or drives us. It's why the psalmist says over and over again, oh God, search my heart. Let me know what's inside of me that I don't even see. Show me the anxiousness. Show me those things that seek to offend. Oh, God, show me where I do things presumptuously that I don't even know what I'm doing. In other words, search the depth of me. And what I love is there's not even language for it. The Holy Spirit groans in such a way that the Father understands and hears the groans that aren't even words. And by the way, in case you don't know, the Son, Jesus, is at the right hand of the Father interceding with us. That means the Spirit and the Son are both interceding, crying out for us to be made different and made new. I don't know, whatever you feel is against you right now, but the God of the universe has got double power going on you. Come on. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, just crazy that God wants that for us, that he's looking into who we are and he wants to bring his presence and his power and his change in us. Now, Paul is continuing to play this out, and it leads us to a verse that the church often talks about, and we tend to bring it up whenever bad things happen as kind of a, a free card to feel better about horrible things or say that God's doing great things in the midst of it, but we don't get the heart of it. Remember, all that Paul's been talking about is suffering and pain and how in the midst of suffering, God brings life. It's about his love. It's about his crying out for us. And then he says this. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now, this is why I wanted to begin with this idea of it's either this or that. There's often these linear ways of thinking of who God is as if to say, well, God is for those who follow him. He's against everyone else. Just in case you don't, this doesn't say anything about how God views people outside of following him. It's just about who he, who is. So this isn't a statement of if he's this, he's not that. This is a statement of how deeply he loves us. And as we follow him, that he's working to bring good in the mix and the mess of life. What that doesn't mean is you have to deny that life is messy. It doesn't mean that you can't feel pain or can't be discouraged or can't struggle or can't cry out to God and go, I don't get why this is going this way. Why life is so hard. And not just in your own lives, in the world around us. Why? 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 But what Paul's saying in the midst of all that is, hey, creation groans, you groan. And by the way, the spirit in you groans for God to bring his power because he loves you. And he's working something great in the midst of what you don't even see. He's giving us hope when we don't see hope. He's telling us in weakness and things we can't understand that God loves us. And it's not either this or that. He's just talking to those who follow to not miss the profound nature of this. And we said it last week, and I'll say it again and again. Suffering is a part of life. Jesus didn't come to make life comfortable and easy. He came to change us. In the same way, there's death and resurrection through our struggle and sorrow and death, there's new life and resurrection. We always say it, we want resurrection without death. And, and I always go back to this, it's such a, a centering piece for me because when I, as a parent, as a grandparent, as someone who now is a, a spiritual father to many, we want what for our kids? We want great things for them, don't we? 
We want them to be noble people and people of character. The problem is we often couch that in. We want them to have a pain-free, easy life. Earlier in this letter, Paul says it. Hey, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And out of character comes hope. And oh, by the way, the Spirit is the source of that hope. In other words, people of transformation and character do suffer. And we do persevere. And God forges something new in us. Now, I know in our day and age, it's not a popular message. We'd like to just know that Jesus came to make your life easy and comfortable. And the first thing I tell you is comfort is in no way a good thing. And easy is in no way a good thing. Jesus invites us to follow him. And Paul says it over and over again. We participate in his suffering, we participate in his glory. We deal with pain, we deal with joy. It's all wrapped together. And he's telling us this again now. Hey, listen, I'm not writing this to a bunch of people who go, you'll be have a pain-free, easy life. I'm telling you that in all things, in the midst of everything that goes on, the Lord is with you. He's groaning, he's crying out. He's bringing his love and transformation in all of it. Jesus came to be with us, not to make life easy for us. Paul kind of clarifies what all this means. And this is where I do want to spend a little more time. He says, God foreknew, he also predestined. What did he destiny for us? He destined us to be conformed to the image of his son, This is the centerpiece of what God is doing, and we'll come back to it. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. If you are a lover of church words, there is a whole glossary from this one. Oh, my goodness. Can you see all the words that we never use anywhere else? When's the last time you said, hey, foreknew, predestined, called, justified, glorified? You don't say that around the table, do you? Hey, I foreknew we're going to have that today. No, you don't. I want want you to take a look at this, and I want to walk through this to make sense of it for us and get us off of the this or that that we get into these kind of passages. God foreknew. We get this argument about that God kind of knows from the beginning whose are his, and it's basically he's predecided. It's like this chessboard that we're so preoccupied with. He's already done it. And if we think that way, we basically don't have any say or any involvement because we're dependent on him, which we are dependent on him. But you see, it's either this or that. Either he predestined, either he foreknew or he didn't. And if he did, he decided. Could he foreknow and then also leave us freedom? The answer is yes, in case you don't know. And by the way, foreknowledge isn't simply this antiseptic, emotion-free connection Foreknowledge is the idea that God actually knows us intimately and closely. What Paul's saying is, guess what? You think that God doesn't care or pay attention? He knows you. And he's always known you. And by the way, God doesn't see time the way you and I do. We think of it linear. There's this and then along comes time. It's like, we have no idea how God thinks. Can you and I agree that we don't fully understand all that God does or thinks or how he operates? Let's just, okay, good. So let's stop trying to make it this or that. Because otherwise you're going to look at this passage in a goofy way. The next thing is he predestined. It's the idea, very simply, that God has a destiny for his believers. And you know what it is? It's people that are being conformed in the image of Jesus. You want to know what God wants most for you? It's that you become like Jesus. Listen, do we not know inside and outside the church we're all disheartened with a lot of Christians today? We're disheartened with each other. We have looked and cast all sorts of disparaging and kind of frustration towards one another, and people outside the church much more so. And the sad thing is, we've missed that what God wants is for us to start looking and being like Jesus. Do you think the world would be taking notice if we become like that? You bet. That's the destiny God has for us. And I love this, the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You see, there's an Adam and an Eve that we understand that sin comes through them. In the beginning of time, they wanted to be like God. They wanted God to be serving them and be their own God. And Jesus comes to bring a new, what we call a second Adam, a new way of life. And guess what the other believers in him become? We become brothers and sisters that are first fruits of that truth. In other words, we're supposed to be the very agents with which God is changing the world, that we're becoming new in Jesus. That's what being conformed to the image of his son is. 
And then he says, if you've been predestined, you've also been called. Oh, in case you don't know what that means, the church is referred to as the called out ones. That's very much what the word means. And by called, it means we're called and invited to be his. We're called by faith to follow him. We're called by faith to trust that his spirit filled us. We're called by faith to be people that are being conformed to the very image of Jesus. That's what call is. We're called out to be his. And by the way, in case you don't know, called out people are called then to bring who he is to the world around us. Not to be set apart, but to be in the midst of. Oh, and if you're called, you're also justified. Now, I know, again, we don't typically talk about this, but I want to give you a simple handle for justified. Justified is basically saying you and I are sons and daughters of the king. We have a new family, and we're taken into a family. And it's not because we performed well. It's not because we did enough. It's not because we tried enough. It's not because we were changed enough. It's because of what Jesus did that you and I are justified. In other words, you and I have a new identity as his sons and as his daughters. And one of the most disheartening things for me is in the church, even inside the church, we treat it like Jesus is constantly disappointed with us, saying, all right, I'll let you in, but keep trying. If you don't do too much bad, I'll let you stay, but if you blow it too much, you're out. That is not justified, and that's not what he means here. He's saying you and I are justified. It means we are in a new family. We're sons and daughters of the king. And then he gives this final picture that we're glorified. In other words, we get to be part of Jesus' redeeming work to change the world around us. His way through who he is. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture is a short quote from a prophet that's made to talk about Jesus. It's from Isaiah. They're speaking of his ministry. And they say, listen, when this prophet comes, when Messiah comes, he will not shout in the streets. He will not proclaim and declare. In other words, what he's saying is he's not going to be there and kind of demand his way and try to convince people to take over and take power. And then it describes how he's going to move. It says, you know what? A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In other words, those places that are most broken, a reed that is most vulnerable, he will protect and bring back to life. A wick that's about to blow out, he will bring back to life. In other words, Jesus will change the world by going to those most forgotten and forsaken, going to the places most weak and unhelped in our lives and breathe new life into it. In other words, Jesus will move in areas of weakness to bring his kingdom, not to demand and militaristically change the world. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Don't you want God to meet you in your weakness? Instead of fighting like we do for everything else? He's saying, I'll bring glory a different way through you. You will endure. Life will be difficult, but it also will be incredibly meaningful because you are being conformed in the image of his son. Being conformed is really being reshaped. That's what it means. It's being made in a different kind of way, in a reshaping way. And what he's saying is you and I, like we're Play-Doh that he's reshaping in a new way. Any of you feel like you need to be made new? That there's things you just can't do on your own? Because I would tell you, it's true for me. The older I get, the more I see it. And what Paul's saying is, guess what? It's things you can't change. This is not the only time he says it. This very same word is used in Philippians in another letter. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. Which, by the way, he's giving declaration of where we are from and where it matters most. We are people of the king. That's our citizenship. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, the power that he spoke and the heavens and the earth were made, the power that he spoke and the mountains are made, the power that he spoke and the waters are made, the power that he spoke and the fish filled the sea, the power that he spoke and the animals filled the land, and by the way, the power that he spoke and breathed life into humanity, into man and woman. That same power, it tells us, that actually raised him from the dead, that conquered death. He says it's that power that also he's going to transform our lowly bodies and they'll be like his glorious body. In other words, transforming us from the inside out. Come on. You can throw away all your plans and all the things you're doing to make your health better. I mean, you can keep doing them, but, but you want to know what's really going to transform you? It's God's work in your life. It's not a temporary thing that you've done enough and you've worked out enough and you've 
eaten. And by the way, that's no excuse to do the opposite. But it's an idea that God changes us from the inside out. That ultimately what God wants, beautifully and mostly for us, is the Spirit is helping us to be conformed, to be transformed into the very image of Christ. And what Paul's been leading up to all this is resurrection means you and I are made different and made new. It's, it's an incredibly brilliant plan when you think about what God did. We always ask, why didn't Jesus just stick around and make himself real and let everybody see him? It's, it's because one thing is that he'd just be limited. It'd be him in one place. But he put his presence in all of us and said, go where no one else can go. Be who I am to people that no one else could see and bring the kind of love and power that I bring that a bruised reed and a smoldering wick and people all around you would discover how much I love them and want to transform them too. That you and I, God's known from the beginning of time, that you and I have a destiny to be made in his image, that you and I not only have a destiny, not only have this wonderful destiny, but that we're also called, we're invited out, and we're invited into a family that we never would get to on our own. I just want to, kind of give a moment in quiet to say, and have you asked, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me today? But I want you to keep in mind, the Lord himself groans on behalf of you. And maybe your prayer today is, I don't even know what I need, but I know I need something of you. Maybe your prayer is, I've been so self-reliant, and I'm kind of coming to the end of that, I realize it only gets me so far. Maybe you're going, I have never feel like I'm enough, and I could never overcome this. Man, would you, Holy Spirit, would you not only grown for me, but would you change me? Maybe it's just being aware that you are his son or daughter and hearing the Lord say, you're my child and I love you. That you just sit in the quiet and ask the Lord what he wants to say to you and then I'm going to pray for us. I pray we would not settle for something less. Settle for a comfortable life, settle for a life that kind of leads us to our own success or the things we have thought would bring happiness. I'm praying that your spirit would be groaning for us where we don't even know at the source what's broken inside of us. And I pray for us in places of self-reliance that we would say, no more, I'm, I'm leaning on you instead of me. I pray in places of self-loathing that we would hear your voice say, you're my son, my daughter, I love you. That we would hear your very groanings calling out to places we don't even know that are affecting us. And we would begin to embrace the power you bring of changing us. I pray more than anything we would see the goodness of who you are. We would see you from the vantage point of your goodness and your love and your power moving in us and your hunger and your appetite to bring that to others. Holy Spirit, breathe on us today, individually, together, in our families, in our relationships. I pray this in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. We're going we're gonna to close out our time worshiping, and we'll receive communion in a minute together. You can just stand up now. And we try to give space after we've opened the scripture to say, Hey, as we worship, we think God moves. As we reflect on the goodness of who he is, because that's what we're seeing in the midst of what Paul writes is the goodness of God, let's just ask him to meet us, to be present. Maybe it'll be something we're singing and God will kind of stir your mind to something. Maybe it'll be peace or comfort that comes over you. Maybe it'll be hope where you've been despairing. Maybe it'll be conviction that you've kind of seen yourself through a lens that you're better than other people and God's going, you got the wrong lens. But let's ask him to speak even as we ask for his mercy, his kindness on us as we worship together.
From the moment that I wake Until I lay my head I will see Of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so so good, yeah. With every breath that I am able, I will see of the goodness of God. I love your voice as you have led me through the fire and in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as my friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. Yeah. And all my life you have been faithful. seated for just a couple minutes. Hopefully you got one of the cups that have the bread and the cup in it when you came in. If you didn't, next time you come, we do this every week. It's a way we respond. The church has done it for all of its history that we always celebrate communion, the Eucharist, this place of thanksgiving for what Jesus has done for us, in us, and to us, and through us. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He jumped into this beautiful feast of Passover and brought new meaning for it. He said, this is my body given for you. My body, this sinless body without leaven, this sinless body in deep humility and suffering and brokenness that he literally condemned death and sin by his death. And when we receive it, we're reminded that we are justified. We are sons and daughters of the king. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. When we drink a cup together, we drink a destiny together. God has destined for you and I to be conformed into the image of Jesus. He is working to transform us, and we are working to simply receive it and be enjoined with that, what he's doing. And we are working, in a sense, to bring it to other people, to be his hands and feet, to be the agent's Let's see smoldering wicks and bruised reeds and bring his love to them. Let's take of the cup. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful sacrament. I pray it would not just be a memorial, but you would impart freshly what we need today. Let me have you stand and let us be reminded that God is running after us, that his goodness follows and searches and cries out for us be an audience to the very words you sing as we close out our time. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. Your goodness is running there, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. 
Before I give you a blessing, uh, as we were singing that last line, the idea of singing of his goodness, I'm reminded of how uh, the psalmist describes the creation as singing out. The trees sing when they sway in the wind. The mountains shout just by the majesty of who they are. And you and I sing not just with music. We sing by how we live. We sing of his goodness by becoming more like Jesus moment by moment and day after day. That is a song we want to sing, isn't it? Not just to have words we sing on a Sunday, but to have ways we live that are a song of who he is. Let me have you place your hands out and just give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. May you sense the spirit's groaning and crying out on your behalf. May you become conformed to the very image of Christ, knowing that he knows you that he has destiny for you, that he's called you, that you are his sons and daughters, that you will share in suffering and glory, bringing his hope to a world in need. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.